Suds out, buds out, and it's time for Fun in the Sun with our podcast, Cloak and Jabber. We're recapping the second episode of Cloak and Dagger on the Freeform Network. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. There's nothing more fun than talking about a pretty fucked up show on the Freeform Network with this fun drive time voice. Hey, I'm Pete. Oh, oh good morning. Sorry, we're on the Z100 crew, and Pete's on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope you're listening to two radios simultaneously. Uh, so we are talking about the second episode. If you are watching it live, they did a two-hour premiere, so this is the second half of the premiere. If you're listening to this later on or binging it or whatever, ignore what I just said. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into it. We... I think we're a little mixed on the first episode by a little mixed. Justin and I loved it. Pete was very upset about the subject matter. Yep. Yes. That oh, that's a great way of saying yeah. it. Thank you. I think that's a. And also, I'm confused about uh, our main characters because they are pretty lost. And so it's hard to root for them because they're doing horrible things. I think what you're doing is identifying with them. I'm Holy trying to. Shit. Trying to. Yeah. Are you? Try harder. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> nice. Uh-oh. Now so Alex to give you guys a little bit of a recap before this episode, there's two characters, Tandy and Tyrone. They were in separate traumatic events as kids. Tandy uh, lost her dad. Uh, Tyrone lost his brother. And they both ended up in a lake outside of New Orleans where they were hit with some magic rays from a collapsing Roxxon uh, oil rig. It looks like an oil rig, but I think they were doing something else there. Uh, You you think? Most oil spills don't result in a bunch of people, (laughs) a bunch of swimmers having power. I don't know, man. I went to Alaska the other year. There were a bunch of seals, and they, like, could shoot light knives and uh, (laughs) use the dark force and stuff. It was pretty fucked up. Why does that seal have a cloak on? Ah, well. (laughs) Back to the fjords. So Uh, there were these traumatic events, and then we uh, pick up with them uh, years later where they're still dealing with these traumatic events, and uh, by the end of the episode, they've met each each other briefly. Their powers have reactivated, but they don't know how to use them. Ty is going after the cop who killed his brother. Tandy is basically just lost and may have just killed a dude. We don't know yet. And that's where we pick up. Pete, you raised your hand. What's going on? Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, in the recap there, some uh, important is that uh, Tandy's dad was a piece of shit. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Tyrone's brother was actually an amazing dude. Wow. Oh, wow. There you go. I mean, I will say, Pete, I agree. He's probably not a great guy, but we don't know anything about him except he was very stressed out when he was driving the car. Dude, fuck you for defending that kind of fucking defeat. Yes, you did. You just tried to sweep it all in the road. First off, he was crazy late. His daughter (laughs) had to be outside in the dark, in the rain. And then when he shows up, couldn't give a shit about his daughter. He's driving all over the road, paying more attention to his phone than his own fucking child or the safety of both people. All I'm saying is he was very stressed out. I'm not defending him, but the way the show presented it wasn't that he was a monster. Oh, I'm sorry. When you're stressed out, you can just get away with doing shit like that. And it's <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, I was just stressed. Can I just say, I have, just you, out. have you ever looked at a phone? Because there's some super interesting stuff happening out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Versus a road, it's like a bunch of Fuck gray stuff. Fuck yeah. you, both of you for defending that guy. Well, I'm just saying the character very much misses her father and it's a driving factor that affected her life. So like we may find out later that he was trying to stop the bad thing that Roxanne was doing. Right, but while killing his daughter at the same time. All I'm she, saying is, don't forget to text to drive. <laughs> yeah, that's a, the one. And we're sponsored by a very, uh, <laughs> very fucked up uh, organization. Sponsored by Rockside. So text then and drive. The, uh, the big first reveal here is that fireflies are important. 
Uh, this episode. Yes, is yeah. big, that's that, definitely the biggest part of the episode. Right. Yeah, I would so say so. There is, that was a haunting shot to start yeah. the episode. We don't find out exactly what's going on with it until the end. I mean, we'll get to that cliffhanger, which was... Wait, we got to what that was about? I didn't get to what that was about. So there's a car accident, and we uh, sort of see the after the very recent aftermath of a car accident. And it's a short, like, 30-second cold open for the show. And then later, we that's where we end the episode. Yeah, I... I just saw, like, we were following a firefly, no, no, and no. then it led to a bunch of fireflies. Nope, that's not what happened. More stuff happened. That did happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, so what I think actually is really successful about the scene, I mean, it's an obvious thing to play with, but the fact that the show does visually keep playing with light and darkness is awesome, and the yeah. way that it's shot is really beautiful. So even if Fireflies is a obvious visual metaphor, it works really nicely. The other thing that works really nicely, we've talked about this on other podcasts before, but shows use in-media res incorrectly. The idea of in-media res is that you drop people into the middle of the scene, they don't understand what's going on, and by the time you loop back to that, you've got additional information that recontextualizes that scene. Most of the time, it's a scene where, like, two people are fighting a demon. They're like, I'm going to kill you, demon. And the demon's like, no, you won't. And then they lead up to that, and you see that scene again. You're like, yeah, I figured that out. I'm not learning anything new. But here... Like you were saying, Pete, we have no idea what's going on in the scene. We don't see any of the characters. We just see fireflies. We see this car crash. We don't understand what's going on. And it isn't until the final seconds of the episode that we loop back to that. And even then, we don't get to see those fireflies again. So it provides additional information. That's what I think. It's very impressive how they're putting together the show. I, I somehow missed that. Because I was like, oh, man, I hope they don't do a Men in Black thing where the fly flies into a windshield and then they kind of just, you know, scrape it off. Because I was like, <laughs> That's a crazy thing to think. <laughs> to be like, I hope it's not a Men in Black windshield situation. Yeah. Uh, well, disaster averted. Because <laughs> well, I, I didn't catch the loop back. I just saw like, hey, let's take a moment, guys. And fireflies are kind of magical. Well, so were you Googling fireflies when they showed the car wreck? Is that what you were doing? Because <laughs> you totally missed that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the car wreck part at all. <laughs> it's very crazy. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you catch on to the guy who was actually a gigantic bug in a human costume? Because that happened to the episode too. That's very much like Men in Black. Yeah, it was very similar to Men in Black. Okay. I was a little upset. Yeah, okay. a lot of people are comparing the show very directly to Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we after that we see a cop. We have a series of. Uh, like a, we have a silent the scene of a, of a detective who I didn't think talked for a really long time. Um, yes. Uh, and it, we don't know what she's doing, really. She's working the case. Clearly, yeah. she's working the case. We don't know right out of the gate. Um, well, uh, to get into it, there's a whole series of these scenes throughout the episode where this cop is uh, all silent scenes. She likes coffee. We know that. she likes coffee. That's a that's the, perhaps the biggest. That's a firefly level uh, bombshell that Pete just dropped. Uh, she is um, she's on the case trying to find Tandy for stabbing the the man who tried to rape her. Did you? So, when when you saw that scene where she was looking down and she was kind of like looking at the blood splatter, you think in her mind she was like, "Yep, light dagger." Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. definitely <laughs> murder weapon. Here's the so light dagger. Actually, I will ask you a question. This is something uh, my wife pointed out when she was watching the episode. She thought Ooh. that she was mute the entire That's time. Right. Me too. You thought that? Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been kind of interesting. It been I mean, awesome. it's not really what they're playing with. Like they're playing with light and darkness versus sound, but. 
I think that would have been interesting. At the very least, what I really liked about this is there was a little more talking in this episode than the first episode, mm. but it kept up a minimal amount of dialogue throughout, which I think is unexpected in a superhero show. And I think it's very comic book-y. To have these scenes just uh, be silently played is like that one page where it's you're just seeing action and but you're not having to hear the characters that's speak. That's the thing, though. In a comic, I understand that because they're trying to build drama. But in a TV show, it doesn't make sense because she was like, look at this, I have a file. Huh? Huh? A file. Oh, you think that's... Not the thing that I have you in here for. Look at this. A picture. You're busted. You're going down. I have a picture of you on Facebook. What the? That doesn't make any sense. She didn't say anything. There was no context. That's why you don't put pictures on Facebook, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah that's again, once again, the lesson here. Uh, to me, it's more of that it's like that was a stylistic choice, and it's because this is a looming threat. Like it's like the Jaws fin coming out of the water. Like you know, there's no speaking there. You just like, oh, this is a problem for our characters. It just made me think, like, oh, she can't have more than three lines of dialogue. Otherwise, they'll have to pay her more because there was no (laughs) payoff. What you're thinking is crazy. There is no payoff for being mute for half the scenes and then talking like it's a no big deal. There's that made it. That's when the characters it started to become a a real problem. That's like Jaws coming out of the water and uh, and biting. Yeah, having a lady detective is like Jaws. from the comic book perspective, uh, Cloak and Dagger barely has a supporting cast in the comics, but one of the two characters that are in their supporting cast is a detective named Bridget O'Reilly, and that's who this is. Yeah. There's not much about her other than, like, she's a hard-nosed New York detective, I think, you in the comics. Tell, and you tell. Eventually, she becomes a vigilante herself later on. I don't think that's what's going to like happen. Like most here. cops in comic books. <laughs> yeah, eventually, they're like, forget this badge. I'm going to put on a fun mask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, that's who we're seeing here. Uh, Eventually, she does talk. Eventually, it does come around to her. But she's going to be a major character as the series goes forward. You can yeah. tell. I mean, if you're showing somebody who gets coffee, I'm like, ooh, she's a big time. Oh, let's have a close-up on her badge. Do you, oh. So you didn't like this? No. It was artistically dumb for no reason. I found it interesting, and I liked the way it... I was like, why am I looking at her uh, midsection? Oh, I have to read that she's a detective on the badge. Okay. Oh, oh, you didn't like it because you had to read. Also, you could have figured that out from the badge. Yeah, you no, didn't need I, to read the badge. Clear, but I'm just like, why am I close up on her badge instead of, I want to see what's happening in the scene. It was just, uh, I didn't like it. You know what's happening in the scene. It's the alley where Tandiki killed that dude, or thinks yeah. she kills that dude. No, the close up on the badge is the interrogation room. When we see, oh, okay. oh those are some laser knives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to keep going? Uh, yes. So um, we get this great scene with um, with Ty talking to a, a person. Uh, it, for me, it felt like a psychologist at first. And as the scene goes on, he slowly uh, gets dressed, puts on a Dude. priest collar. Dude. So you, cool. If you are a priest, you don't get naked in front of a student. He wasn't naked. He was he, like, hey, why don't you talk to me while I have this like light stop shirt on Pete, and then like Pete, check out my tats. Pete, I'm stop just going to get dressed in front of you while I talk to you. That's Pete, not something a priest... put your shirt back on. That's not we something a priest point. should do put your shirt ever. Back on. He was going... You f- stay fully clothed in front of students at all time, you creepy fucking Pete, preacher. put your pants back on. Come on, we get the point. It's so... Yeah, you don't need to so illustrate dumb. it. Why are you wearing like, a second hey, pair of listen, pants listen, this would never happen, but I'm I'm going to talk to you with just a slim T-shirt on so you can see my tats so you know yeah. that I'm cool. Then I'm slowly getting dressed yeah. as a priest and blow your <laughs> fucking mind. Why are you what? Sl- I'm a priest. What? I have tattoos. You don't know me. You don't know what it's like. You, did you say slim T-shirt? What is it? Like, is that's not nudity. <laughs> 
Like he, I know, but the t-shirt had to be like short in certain areas so you could see all the tats, bro. Wow. What if you don't allow he's not a normal priest? He's a cool priest that's also kind of creepy. I'm just getting dressed in front of a student. He not was, a big deal. He went from his casual not official clothing into his his priest you, uniform. Uh, you you were, have you ever been at somebody's house and they're getting dressed in front of you? I've never seen that. It wasn't nobody <laughs> does that. I can't talk to you like, anymore about this. We have to this. show this guy rocking tats so we know he is not a normal priest. So I'll point out that he's another character for the comics. As I mentioned, yes. there's a very small supporting cast. One of the other supporting cast members is Father Delgado, who uh, I guess lives in and works out of the church that Cloak and Dagger hide out in most of the time. Yeah. So... Again, they're working in some comic book stuff there, but in a very different way. He actually reminded do you either of you guys watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? No. No. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> he reminded me, if, you, if any of you listening do watch it, he reminded me a little bit of Josh's brother, the priest, who's like, a cool priest. Yeah. But I liked it. I liked what they did. And this is nope. jumping ahead, but we get to see a scene with him much later on where he's waiting in a bodega buying a loaf of bread. And he gets so fed up when he gets up there, he buys liquor. I yeah. think that was cool. Yeah, it was. It's cool to buy liquor. Yeah. Uh, but second of all, exactly. uh, yeah, I think, again, we're like it, probably the idea is that he's alcoholic or dealing with some sort of drug abuse. And I think they haven't been as blatant as Tandy and Ty are both addicted to drugs. But I think we're going to see more of that as everybody deals with their own addictions and their own things as the series goes on, which I think is an interesting way of working in that riff that is so baked into the characters. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought the scene was great. I liked their conversation. Um, a little bit later, we get a, uh, a the sequence of uh, uh, texting and there's a Bible oh, whoa, passage. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to back up the truck before we get to that. Oh, did you want to do more priest stuff or are you good? No, because like he goes from talking to his priest to then he uh, like has a heart to heart with his dad. Yeah. And like right. that was a insane conversation because why are you talking about Larry Bird so much? Like who's writing this show? I don't think it's a, a person of color writing the show i don't think like larry bird that's way too weird I, and specific no the reason i think he said that his dad is out of touch his dad is lame that's what i took away from it yeah is I that agree. his dad doesn't know how to relate to him he's like you don't have to look up to larry bird or whoever <laughs> and of course that's not gonna yeah, i think it was purposefully son. wrong because yeah. i also think and we this episode is sort of about that for for Tyrone is like he's like you should look at your mom she gets shit and she gets shit done and then Tyrone then spends the episode like figuring out his mom a little bit by the way while I'm shouting out other shows can we mention that uh, the mom is Elliot's psychiatrist from Mr. Robot yeah you guys watch Mr. Robot yes that's pretty cool I like that as well because uh, I was like, God, what do I know her from? Because I was like, uh, and then I was like, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, could we talk about that conversation or do we want to wait till no, later? No, no, I wanted to mom? actually talk about, you went to town on the Emoji Girl thing from last episode. Yep. I loved the shot of them going into the church. Everybody's in the church. Seems like everybody's paying attention or praying. And then you cut through the alternate angle and you see everybody's on their phones. You great. love that? I thought that was great. We I spent, we spent a significant amount of time watching people text back and forth. That's good television? You think that's good television? <laughs> I do think that's watching good television. Watching somebody text somebody else. You 
uh, resident, I know you're our resident youth expert, Pete, and everything, <laughs> yeah. but, and I know you're In the same upset. way an old man shouting, <laughs> get off my lawn, really speaks to children. That's what Pete is. <laughs> but I'm not, you are the one who keeps saying, like, you really know the youth. Kids I'm not are saying always that on I their do. phones. They should be in church looking at church. <laughs> I thought this really. Priests cut. can't have tattoos. They're wearing slim t shirts these don't days. don't get undressed in front of somebody, especially <laughs> he didn't if you're get a priest. Undressed. He put clothes on. Stop, stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm just saying, I like the scene. I liked how this was. It seemed very authentic to me. I thought it was a cool way that it was shot and revealed. And I so do think cool. that kids are texting think- each other. Yeah, but you, here's maybe what you, why you were just being so angry, Pete. You weren't noticing that the, the, the priest, what he was talking about, he was reading a Bible passage that relates to like heroism and the characters. And like, yeah. so I, what I thought was interesting about that is, is everybody missed it because they were on their phone. Yes. And that was like, we're sort of subconsciously taking this in. This show seems to be about the subconsciousness of these main characters, at least so far. And he's maybe subconsciously taking in this information while he's also uh, texting and trying to talk to this girl. So like that to me was interesting. Yeah. You're I thought it was great. The emoji girl. <laughs> you, Jesus. God, you hate everything. <laughs> you should use a phone once in a while. I'm. Uh, you say that, and I'm literally on my phone. Yeah, I know. stop. Stop texting. We're reading hero <laughs> passages about whatever you do. Don't text and podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, so moving on, we get into. Uh, so Tandy's uh, scared for her life. She's right. uh, going to get she's, busted. She's like, "Yo, I'm pretty sure I killed a dude last night." Yeah. Well, so I don't think we got a resolution to that. They call the hospital, but we don't find out. No, because that. They're like, we'll just get you out of here. So that's no yeah. longer important. Well, what do you think? Did she kill the guy or is yeah. he still alive? I bet he's still alive. Me too. Yeah. I don't know, man. You got took a light dagger to the gut. It wasn't a, bleed out. It wasn't uh, a heavy dagger. <laughs> oh, wow. <dude>. Uh, <laughs> so she's Woo! We're, we're <laughs> taking the rest of the podcast off. <laughs> wow. He really put your feet up, Alex. Uh, I'm going to just take off my shirt and my pants if that's cool oh, with you guys. That's, that's how everyone gets did. casual. Definitely I take off that. Leave. Yeah. I'm a priest, by the way. I should. Yeah, I know that. that. I know that. Uh, well, well, this episode was about Tyrone getting to know his mom and dealing with, with that relationship. For Tandy, it was about her relationship with her partner in crime slash boyfriend as they are trying to figure out how to get Tandy out of town and safe from being caught for maybe killing this and dude. And it kind of like reveals that Liam is a, you know, he really cares about Tandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so they go to this dry cleaner, which is a secret ID shop. Honestly, they walk in and there's like, I don't. It's half dry cleaning, but it's also mostly selling <laughs> yeah. fake IDs, yeah. which seems odd. To Dude, do I can't right. wait to go to dry cleaner, man. Well, but I, I, it was ridiculous. Like that was a little ridiculous because they were doing. He was like, "Yo, we don't do this during the daytime." But he just clearly handed somebody several thousand dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that didn't quite make sense. But I do appreciate that in the second episode, they're starting to flesh out the world of the show, and I think this is a character and a setting that we're probably going to see times be a, again uh, yeah. down the road, and I like that. Like, it was very insular with these two characters in the first episode. So they got to expand it outwards and add these additional characters to the criminal underworld in particular. And I thought that was nice. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, so a couple scenes later, we get Tandy going home to see her mom in this, like, oh, so shit. depressing, horrible scene. Of oh, her man. mom find or She walks in to find her mom with another guy and find that her mom robbed her for the drugs and money. Robbed and her, her own daughter. Her mom clinging to the idea that she can somehow win this case against Roxanne because this guy's like maybe a sham lawyer who they use this money to file an injunction and all this money on drugs mostly. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a horrible scene to watch uh, Tandy go through it and it puts her mom in a place where she truly is like, 
at seemingly at rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, so I it was hard to watch, but, but absolutely heartbreaking. Great scene. I thought not the content, just the way it, it made us feel. Like you talked a lot in the last episode about how you can't feel for these characters because of the crimes they're doing. Right. Uh, and but this, I feel like, puts you in Tandy's head where it's like, fuck, everything's bad. She dude, has to, she has to fend for herself in a way. You because, can't say that, dude, because of how it ends with fucking Liam, dude. That is some cold. Just wait. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Shit, we'll get to that. Don't so, talk about fucking Tandy. Like, oh yeah, she's great. She's going through tough stuff. Fuck you, dude. That woman is cold. I, I got to tell you, though, and I know this is going to set Pete off on me. I thought Olivia Holtz was fantastic in this episode. Like, she. The mom? No, Dagger. Oh, Tandy. Tandy. Um, I Like, she had this wide-eyed, almost crying, doe-caught-in-the-headlights uh, look the entire episode, which... Or Firefly on the windshield. Yeah, something like that. That's yeah. the analogy Real most people use. Real black shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I thought, I thought it was great. Like, she... You could tell how damaged she is, and she's clearly yeah. falling apart over the course of the episode, and... I don't know. I thought it was a really, really good acting job. I was very impressed by her performance in this episode in particular. It was yeah. great. Uh, should we follow Tandy for a little bit? I think yeah, they're sure. both really great actors. I agree. Yeah, I think so really too. Um, so Tandy, uh, in a, they, it's going to cost them like, I think 11 grand to get the right uh, IDs for her to get out of mm-hmm. town. Yep. They have like $5,000. Tandy's mom stole her money, so she can't provide any. So they decide to um, crack. They hear oh my uh, God, this dude. like best, like, guy in the wedding party talk about mm-hmm. uh, the wedding he's going to and he has a bunch of cash so they get the idea to go crash this wedding one uh, last job we'll just do one, yeah, last, one job. last job uh, to go in and get the cash and it's you see how much of a what a thief Tandy is because she's like there are three ways to make money at a wedding steal the gifts uh, Yo, get dude, the tips sh- from the bartenders or uh, th- get the fee from the wedding plan or something yeah. um, and so they just start going about their business hanging out the wedding uh, casing it trying to get the deal and that's when she has a vision that bothered you so much uh where she gets in her boyfriend's head and he is talking about how much he loves her and how yeah. much he wants to to protect her right yeah and, and it, she doesn't care about that at all she she, uh, well, it no, scares she, her. Does. she does. It scares her she goes into the bathroom later and has this whole conversation with the wedding planner no, you guys are wrong she with the maid of honor maid of honor sorry uh, because if she did, she wouldn't do what she does later. But no, she wouldn't wanna... because she is. She tells her, I get scared. I run away when I get close to people because she that lost her father. That whole thing was an act just to get close to no, that lady. No, it wasn't. I think she is legit telling that lady. And then when they hug, she realizes who she is. Yeah. And that's what I think is going on. The other thing, we talked about this a little Dude, bit the last episode. breakdown at the table, she... Re- ripping up the thing and you think oh man she is really against love uh and she realized oh she's making money so when she can switch do the switch i mean you're right i think it's both things at the same time but i think she is she hates connections so much because she doesn't want to trust anybody she hates the idea of love because that it means trusting somebody and at that moment, this is, I love the way this was shot, and I love this whole moment where then her hand starts to glow when that happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and she hides under the oh, table. She hides under the table. Glowing table. Love hey, that. Pay no attention to the blonde lady in the corner. Uh, well, whose whole table what. is glowing. If yeah. there's a place you can get away with a glowing table, it's a wedding because people would be like, oh, what a cute thing that they did for yeah. the wedding. Oh, I love the but, way you had the table glow. Yeah, that was pretty Dude, cool. Where did you read Shut that? Shut the fuck up. You would, if you were at a wedding and all of a sudden one table started glowing, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's a nice part of the thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would be. I'd be like, what a cool light effect. Well, you'd be like, is there someone shooting light daggers under the table? (laughs) I would be like, what the fuck's going on? There's only one table glowing. Excuse me, miss. Are you okay? What's up? (laughs) Are you okay? What are you, the wedding police? (laughs) Dude, if you're at a wedding, all of a sudden a table starts glowing? Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Is that table, like, it could be fire. I don't know what's starting that glow. (laughs) Like, I don't know if it's a fire growing under the table or whatever, but, like, glowing tables isn't a normal thing that happens, guys. How much do you make as a wedding cop? Is it, like, a, <laughs> it's a side gig? Or like, All right, we got to talk about Thai. There's a lot of Thai stuff. We I even... mean, this is kind of interesting, but the way that I found out Pete was a wedding cop is the camera slowly went down to his badge, and I read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, I hate man. reading badges. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. you have to get really tight on the badge. Yeah, yeah. so uh, she does get close to this lady at the end that she does steal the cash from her. They also steal the cage full of envelopes. Yo, they and straight up rob everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and then they take the just and then they take the car too. What the oh, fuck? Man. Yeah. Which is take off the cans, right? They are. De- <laughs> yeah, well, they she eventually are, does. They are definitely not good at long term thinking. No, one hundred percent. But I mean, sort of both of the characters. Uh, but it made me so sad too. Like clearly, she had a connection with the maid of honor. And yeah. No, she didn't. She was playing. Yeah, you could tell. Again, I think this comes down to Olivia Holt's acting job, but she conveys with her look. She feels conflicted. She. Had, nope. Did make a connection with this woman. She has to look out for herself. If she but felt she still anything, feels bad. she wouldn't rob the shit out of everybody. No, at she uh, self preservation number one. That's yeah. what she's all about, dude. Uh, let's so wait. let's jump back and talk about cloak. Yes, and thank then we'll you. move forward uh, yes, with both thank of them. You. Um, so we see um, that Tyrone is very bad at stakeouts because he falls asleep. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> he's falling asleep all over the place. I mean, he's up late. Obviously. Also, like we we got to mention the fact that like his basketball like he had to be at this one practice so then he falls asleep Right, so uh, he's taking out the guy. He falls asleep. I was kind of surprised they didn't cloak somewhere at that point. Yeah. It felt like the show had established every time he falls asleep, he cloaks somewhere else. It would have been great if he cloaked to basketball practice. Right. Yeah. But I guess the reason he didn't was he was already where he wanted and yeah. needed to be. It seems like Cloak's powers in the, these first two episodes keep moving him back toward uh, getting revenge on this cop, which yeah. again is very like emotional, subconscious. Right. Their their powers seem to be inherently linked to their right. emotions. Do you think maybe there's a sense of Dagger's powers are trying to draw? draw her towards the light to make her better while cloak's powers are dragging him towards the darkness to make him worse. Interesting. That's Whoa, yeah, that's wow. cool. Or they're, yeah, they're darker urges. They're like, yeah, yeah you have to, st- you, who cares about your basketball, your school, your family, mm-hmm. you got to kill this cop. Uh, who cares about, um, your criminal that's side. Why, you have to figure out your life and get better. That's yeah. why I was really surprised. He went back to the gym. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Well, he's a good, well, he's kid. a good kid. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to do that. He's trying to do the right thing as we, which is what this episode is all about with his mom. So he shows up, uh, uh, but his, we established that his coach is a very serious guy. He's already so late. Like showing up is just going to make things worse. Like you I don't think practice. It, I don't know. I think the he, coach does what coaches do. Yeah. But he did the right thing by showing up. And as we see later, everybody gets punished. They are all running suicides for him while he has to sit and watch. But then he, he does them afterwards. Right. He's yeah, punishing with himself. The priest with the priest is there, and he, like I guess sort of he prescribes the, running. Yeah, the priest is watching him work out. In front of him, yo, cool leave. dude. This fucking creepy priest who's just like he is not uh, a creepy. Hey, keep running the laps, Ty. I'm just gonna stand here and watch you. No, I think I'll count for you. So big let's guy. let's talk about. Don't let's worry wa- about it. I got you. Yo, Pete, what are you talking you're, about? Dude, Pete, the priest as, is freaking 
looking me the fuck at out. At this point, Pete, you're the weird one. So the uh, the oh, prep yeah, school, that's new information. the other prep school guys beat Ty up because yeah. he. Which I was like, who the fuck are these kids? Yeah. They're, they're so hard on each they're other. So mean. Yeah. So he gets beat up because he made them run suicides. But there's a great moment in here where he tries to cloak away and it doesn't work. Yeah. But and it does. He wakes up and it's like later and the, they're gone. No. Well, he wakes up and they've locked him in the uh, supply closet, sort of. And oh, he, I thought it like cloaked him later. No, in no, the no. Future. He, he did so, get out eventually. So he takes. A cloak, puts it over himself, yeah. and then they open it up and continue kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. And then he gets knocked out and wakes up and they oh, locked him I thought him. it yeah. was like yeah. he cloaked till later. No, no, totally oh. didn't. Uh, which, again, I think it's a nice moment. Like, we talked a little bit on the last episode how this, without them being mutants, this is a very mutant X-Men type show. That's another yeah. thing where, like... They can't use their powers when they need to. They don't know how to control them. And I almost hope, after watching this episode, we never get, like, a mentor, Professor X figures, like, here's how you use your powers, you guys. Let's have a training montage. I hope they almost never figure it out properly. Like, No, I I hope that when they're together, they can try to figure it out and do stuff together. Then it's maybe a season-ending move. Because I feel like the show is about them fucking up. Yeah, this uh, is one of the... I can't go the whole season without them finally getting together and talking about it. Well, they kind of get together at the end of this episode. (laughs) Well, Uh, (laughs) so... um, Wait, wait, wait. There was one thing that we keep forgetting to mention, which was a funny moment that I was like, uh, so like it's early. He hasn't slept. I'm talking about Ty. And like he goes to put a tarp on. And it's almost like this moment where he's like, oh, I'm going to cloak out of here. But his little arm goes off and he just kind of gives up on the idea. And I was like, yeah. oh, that is such a he's like, oh, no, I got to be a kid and go to yeah, school. I like that. I mean, we see yeah. both of them trying to use their powers and it not working at all. We see a dagger like trying to make these daggers in her hand and it not happening at any point. Um, yeah, I think it's good. It was kind of like the sweet like I'm tarp man. Oh, nope, Got to go to school. Uh, so Tyrone has this great moment with his mom uh, where he, so he, his dad is like, go talk to your mom, how she does it. And she talks to him about like, it's not about you making up for Cause he's like, I'm trying so hard. I can't yeah. make up for the fact that my brother died. Um, and I'm glad she, that they're talking about it though. Yeah, no, it was I mean, a great scene. A- and she's like, it's not about you trying to be perfect for him. You need to be perfect for you because this world is hard, especially mm-hmm. hard on uh, young black men, I think was the subtext there. And like, I just wish you would have said it though. I, it's there. I mean, it's there if you're looking. Like, I feel like that was yeah. what it was I, being said. I got to be honest, and this is honestly, again, do not jump on me, Pete, but nothing against shows like Luke Cage or Black Lightning, which I think are both phenomenal shows, but I like the fact that they are being more subtle here and letting yeah. you infer these things in a very obvious way. Like, they're not being unobvious about it, but where Luke Cage and Black Lightning have them in literally the text, because this show tries to be as minimal with the text as possible, it's there more with the visuals and the character intentions than anything else, and I think that's a great different way of hitting it. Well, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, but I'm just saying you, that, you like... You can't get more obvious than I in the first episode, a unarmed black kid getting slain while one obvious, of them's wearing a hoodie. I also yeah. feel like you, this <laughs> shit, we, we needed to talk about this shit. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to not talk about it, you know? I yeah. do think But we are talking about it based yeah. on this episode. Right? Yeah. But We're I'm literally saying, doing it. I want it to be said and put out there because more of that happens, maybe more change, but, like... We're talking not, about it. 
contextually saying like, yo, racism is really fucked up and you're a black man. It's not as powerful as saying, yo, racism is I fucked up and I, you're a I black man and you got to be aware Because of it. I think one of the things the show is doing really well so far is we're emotionally feel this character this series is about emotion like almost more than anything yeah. else and that we are feeling what the characters are feeling particularly Tandy and Ty and so we're getting that emotional intensity we're getting like you were talking about with the mom telling him what the world is like without being being you are a young black man and you are potentially going to be killed like your brother we get to see that through the dark force nightmare that she feels later and to me in a very different way from it being textually part of Black Lightning and Luke Cage, it it hits it. In I don't want to pit them against each other in any way, but I do think there's something that is more powerful by drawing you into the emotion of the characters and making you feel these things rather than straight up telling you. Yeah, you I, get to experience it rather than just yes. hear it. You're, it's you're like, entitled oh, to your opinion about it, but I just think thank that you. it's a bigger... I think it's a bigger issue, and I want it out there more. Yeah, but we have sometimes three I, superhero shows on TV now that are all dealing with it in different ways, and I think that's great. And I think it's well, a then lot, we need four, and we need five, we need six sh- until it starts. Sure, but better. they should be different, and to have a have, to be able to feel it through the character as opposed to just hear it from a character, I think is more powerful. In the same way, where like when you're angry, you don't always say I'm angry; otherwise, that's all you'd say all day long. Yeah, I, and here's I, you I do, do say that. that a lot. <laughs> I say uh, the other thing that I'd say but, is that uh, I think. Um, I, I, there's a lot of TV shows that deal with issues but never actually say the words. That's not what I think is going on here. Like, I don't think we have a situation where they're like, should you get something done when you're pregnant with a baby? And they're like, maybe I'll go get yeah. a procedure, yeah, which yeah. is this very tortured way of not saying abortion. I don't think that's what they're doing here. I don't think they're avoiding talking about it at all. They, uh, I think they're showing you rather than telling you what the characters are going through. But this mom who is clearly... Uh, seeing her son struggle with uh, racism during the basketball game, she doesn't say shit. She scolds her son for not being like, listen, you got to fucking, you know, you got to be okay with that and turn the other cheek. She's yelling at her son. Now, here's the part where she's talking about how life, how hard is life, how hard life is, and I feel like it would have been nicer and a little bit more powerful if she kind of called out. Well, the and then we get to see that she is living in a literal fucking nightmare every single yeah. waking moment of her life because he enters this dark force nightmare where she's with her t- two sons as kids in the supermarket. Ty, uh, creepy supermarket. Creepy supermarket. Uh, Ty runs away around the corner, gets shot. He runs away around the corner, gets shot. She can only watch it happen, comes around the corner, sees both of their gravestones. That's what she's walking around with. That's the emotional baggage that's living in her head. And I don't think we need her to come out of that and be like, life is hard for black people. That's not going to make, that's not going to underscore it anymore. If she says it out loud, we see it, we feel it. Yeah. And also we, we're seeing, we've seen two episodes of the show and we've seen the, the mom character like four times. Like you, these are, that's all that we've seen. But if this family in, a, in their world is have uh, they're having these conversations that you want from them, but not every conversation needs to say that text every time. So we're just privy as it's a television show to these emotional moments, which are more powerful. I, I just I, I all right, fine, whatever. I, I disagree, but I also think that when he's talking to the mom, the mom is talking about like packing emotions away and like. Not dealing with them. And that was also like an unhealthy thing that I think she keeps doing. Yes. And it's frustrating because I was like, 
here you guys are talking, but you're you're not really talking. You're talking about putting these things away and making everybody think everything is fine. Just walk around. But that's the point. That's the point of saying like, yes, it's obvious that Tandy's mom is wrong with the way she's dealing with things. And that's why the dad is out of touch. Can't connect with his son. She's like, he's like the mom. She gets it. And then he talks to Ty talks to his mom and she's a mess as well. It's saying these characters are isolated on their own. Their kids, their parents aren't connected with them. What are they going to do? They're going to find each other and, and fix their lives. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's hard fu- to it's see hard. these parents fail it's their children. It's hard. supposed to be hard. I don't think it, you're not supposed to feel good while you're watching the show because these characters well, are all across the board. How am I so supposed damaged. to enjoy the show? Because the journey is Tandy and Ty getting together and, like Justin was saying, fixing each other by getting yeah. better. Hopefully. Well, so so we they do get together by the end of this episode and maybe aren't doing a lot of fixing. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Before we get to that... She's driving in her yeah, car, so the before- stolen car that she's still in, which is completely stupid, is driving, gets a phone call from the only person who cares about her. Yeah, so wait. So before, even before that, uh, Tandy and her man go back to the dry cleaner. They have the money. They get her things. Um, he sort of makes his case to her, like right. says, I know you've been sleeping in the church. I want to protect you. Uh, she which pushes him away, which is what she said she does to the maid of honor. Right. Can I, can I mention real. something that might be a little weird to say out loud? But I appreciated the fact that they were taking off their clothes, they were changing, and we didn't actually see her naked or in underwear at any point. Yeah. Right. I know that's a weird thing to point out, but I felt like it was a respectful way of filming the scene. And I feel like lesser shows would have been teasing, but this isn't about her body or anything also, like that. Said it's a lot more about, about the actual acting. I thought character and emotion. I agree yeah. with you. Like it's a scene, like that is something that another show would be like, say Riverdale would be like, yeah. look, they're in their underwear. And it's like, yeah, I know, but we're not, but Riverdale is a different show. That show yeah. is about ostentatiousness. Uh-huh. This show is about what these characters are feeling. Yes. But also it said a lot about Liam's character where he was, wasn't looking and the fact that he wasn't looking and we weren't looking kind of said I think a very much he, a respectful you're supposed thing. to like Liam he's supposed to be a nice guy but he's not what Tandy needs what okay but that doesn't mean when you get a fucking phone call and the only guy who's ever cared about you is in trouble she is you turn literally that s- running away at that point from she's already from decided him. to run away from him so he calls he's like I'm busted by this great cop sequence uh, the whole time she's driving in a very bad choice of a car to get away right. in uh, and then we have the sort of final moment but she just fucking puts the phone down doesn't like she doesn't say like listen I'm sorry I don't I have to I'm, run. I'm gonna just remind you of something at the beginning of the first episode uh, her dad is texting and driving yeah. and crashes the car into a lake and dies. So she might be a little scared to use a phone. Whatever. <laughs> pull over and talk then, motherfucker. But the fact that like this person who's looked out for you for a really long time is in trouble and you couldn't give a shit. Yeah, she's, it's, I think she just cranks up the tunes is like, yep, start my new life. It's, that is that's not what she's no. not doing. Yeah. No. She is, she's running scared. She's, does she or does she not turn up the music? She afterwards? does, but that's, thank you. I would argue thank that's you. not because she wants to hear the song. It's to drown <laughs> out the feelings that she's having about this person that has said, I love you in her light brain and said, I want to protect you. So she she's not like, man, it's time to rock. But it's hard to like this character when she is fucking everybody over. She's damaged. And like, yes, she is fucking people over. But it's 
on the path to something better. That's why it's not. It's just going to be hard to see her hopefully redeem herself because I'm going to be like, you're going to fucking turn your back on him. Let me say, if at the end of this season, it's her in another stolen car and she's like, I just fucked over Tyrone. Let's rock out to this song I do when I'm riding away from people. Yes, I will be mad. But I think the idea is you show the characters at a low point and you watch them go up from there. Yeah, 100%. It's a a lot of low. Speaking of low points, so then, um, meanwhile, uh, Ty is chasing the cop. He's about to shoot him. He We should mention a very good Chekhov's gun in this episode. Yeah. Real good. Dude, like, direct. Yeah, yeah there's some uh, animals that have been getting into the trash. I wondered if those were animals or if those were I thought the it co- was Ty, like, you know, cloaking in, in, like... No, I thought it was, like, some criminals or somebody that's looking for Ty, potentially. It felt like it could have been any number of horrible things. Right. I Whatever thought it was maybe was the, the prep school boys. Gun because yeah. this gun, gun is huge, by the way. Yeah, it's a huge gun. Uh, I think to get not to get back into the mob conversation, but we see her holding the gun, and she's shaking when she's holding yeah. it. She doesn't want to address violence. This is a gun is something that killed her son. She doesn't want anything to do with it, uh, but it gets introduced in the first act. And in the third act, uh, Tyrone pulls it out and confronts the cop with the scar. And is shaking in the same way his mom yeah, was. 100%. Um, he, right as he's shooting, he, he makes, it's, he's uncomfortable. He makes the choice to kill this person that killed his brother, this cop. Um, he dark force flashes to right in front of Tandy driving the car, shoots, the, she gets shot. And then she either gets shot misses. or it goes through the windshield yeah. and maybe it misses her. Uh, yeah, I, I think like it misses sure. her. I think yeah. it misses her. It looked like she got shot to me. No. Um, <laughs> no. The, this Forensic. is the second time we've seen uh, cloaking bullets. Like, this is the second time a bullet has traveled with him yeah. when he goes somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's a thing from the comics, too. People are constantly shooting at Cloak, and he sends the bullets into the Dark Forest dimension. Well, yeah, do not live in the Dark Forest dimension. I, I want, Real bad. Constantly bullets. Talk it's about like that the, thing in a Western town where they all celebrate by shooting up in the air. Those bullets are coming down. Yeah, you got to get out of there. Uh, so let me ask you, because I was very confused by the creepy grocery store. Mm. Like, I'm having a hard time understanding what this is. Like, if he's traveling to this creepy uh, grocery store or if it lives inside of his mom. Again, I think uh, similar to how we saw Tandy's flash last episode, this episode uh, and this episode, I think it's a split second. Like they're having a memory jammed in their heads. What I got from this episode is that I think what Dagger is seeing is dreams, positive memories, positive ideas out of a person's head. And what Cloak is getting is nightmares, like their worst thoughts, those bad impulses you get in a moment. So he's not really going to a grocery store and he's not really seeing a memory. He's just getting this flash of this feeling, this idea. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was him taking her there or she was taking well, him there. So it does affect her. It she does gets affect weak. her in a different way. We don't see dagger stuff affect people necessarily. Interesting though, if it makes cloaks power makes people weak or like, uh, mm-hmm. somehow like hurts them in a way. And the daggers power maybe makes them, Stronger or gives him confidence. I, I think that's true. I don't think we've necessarily seen it in as no. blatant a way with Dagger, but, but it cool. kind of has to be that way, right? So, so we have the big wreck where yeah. she kind of crashes into a tree because she doesn't want to hit. Crashes into him, potentially. Yeah. No, I, think I thought I, she veered away from him and hit a tree. That's the implication because that's the scene that you miss because of the fireflies. Right. There's a lot of stuff going on there. There's She could be shot. She could have ran into him. She could have just ran into a tree. We don't know. Whatever it is, that was it looked a, like she swerved and hit a tree. It, 
did, but also it looked like he was kind of in front of the car. Yeah. It's tough to tell. We'll see. Now, let's let's throw this. What why would Cloak's powers bring him to to Tandy at that moment? Oh. Because it did. It did like he wasn't even like yeah. accidentally under a cloak. He, I think again dark it's, force it's where he needs to be. That's where it's taking him. Like it's moments of extreme emotion seem to bring him there, or yeah. when he's most relaxed, as in asleep. Um yeah, I don't know. Or when, when you're asleep, your subconscious emerges, and I think right. his powers activate. Here's my theory, unless do you have one. Oh, I, I have a question, but I'll wait. Uh, he, he cloaks away from the cop because him shooting the cop would send him on a bad path in his life. So he cloaks to Dagger, which is his other side, his protector. Oh, wow. He also, for on Dagger's side, he cloaks there to stop her from leaving town, which would put her on the bad path in her life and away from him. So they're once again together, damaging each other potentially, but saving them from a much worse path for each other. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I'll wow. buy it. Wow. Okay. Cool. Said, what was your question, Pete? Um, so I think the thing I missed, like after they crashed into the tree, um, then they showed the fireflies and I missed that? No, they didn't show it again. <laughs> that was, if you watch the episode in the right order, you'd see the crash into the tree, then go back and watch the first scene. That's what happens next. Yeah. But it, I actually think that maybe there was a firefly in your apartment <laughs> <laughs> and you got distracted away from the TV and missed this whole thing. It's know, like dude. that TLC song. I, all I'm saying is it wasn't clear fireflies. to me yeah. that the fireflies and the car crash were related. They were. It's they were just there, but the fireflies didn't cause the car crash. They weren't in the windshield. Right, but I, just, it's like I saw the car crash, but then I didn't think to myself, oh, the fly, firefly part. It didn't happen. Yeah, we didn't have to know because the firefly thing was truly just a little thing at the beginning that was meant to symbolize light and darkness existing at the same time. Oh, there you go. The flickering. As we end every episode, cloak or dagger, who won the episode? (laughs) Pete, cloak or dagger? Tough call on this one. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm always going to choose cloak. Yeah? Yeah. Classic Pete to stick to one choice no matter what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Justin, what about I, you? Because to me, I feel like Cloak is a better person. Uh, this to me was Dagger's episode. It was uh, we got to get in her head a little bit more. Um, I liked her arc. I liked how you good like she, how she le- uh, left everybody who cared about her. That was my favorite part. Yeah. That's why I can't wait Dude, to I'm jump. I'm never calling I can't you wait. from jail I can't because wait you're going to gonna leave me there. No way, Pete. No, no matter what you did to get to jail, I would come there and break you out. Unless it was my own murder, then I'll be dead. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fair, man. What yeah. about your ghost? Cool. Would your ghost break him out? I would haunt. I'd be there. I would yeah. haunt oh, him. Oh, sure. Oh, that would be so annoying. I can't if wait. I'm in jail and Justin's just haunting me all the time. I can't oh, wait man. until we start our ghost version of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to choose Dagger as well. Like I said earlier, I thought Olivia Holt did a fantastic job at this episode. I you, um, you could see... Uh, some emotional moves she's making. And I think Ty overall made some bad moves while uh, Tandy made some good moves. I thought she was great. And also I love the fact that she likes sweet tunes. Turn them up, baby. Yeah. Uh, that you're, you're, Top down tunes up. Yeah. <laughs> nothing's going to go wrong. I'll just keep hanging out in the car that I stole from a wedding. Moon's out. Goon's out. Misbehave when the moon's out. Wow. If you like the show, want to support other shows, we do at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Pit Loft in New York. Come on down. We'll chat about Cloak and Dagger. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Run us on Facebook so you get to know about the guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at comic book live. Check us out at comic book club live.com for the podcast more. And we'll see you first thing in the morning. Quick, we have to mention our last sponsor. If you need a cop to 
patrol your wedding. If there's anything <laughs> glowing, call Pete LePage, wedding cop. Hashtag baby hands. Uh, 